Hollywood Hoop Dreams aren't only made from magic, they also come in the form of original podcasts from the Hoop Ball Network. So if you're the Lakers zooming out, are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs? And do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Join Ethan, JC, and the thriving Lakers community around the world to talk about all things Lakers. The Lakers this season has come to expect of this team is consistent winning. That is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform. The show is available everywhere Paul are found and you can follow the show on twitter at hoopball lakers the following is a hoopball presentation what is up hoopball clipper nation this is brandon marcus glad to have you with us as the Los Angeles Clippers have begun the restart to the 2019-2020 season. In today's podcast, we're going to have on Noah Eagle, the voice of the Los Angeles Clippers. You're going to hear him on AM570. We'll chat about yesterday's ball game that saw the Lakers narrowly defeat the Los Angeles Clippers 103-101. to A putback by LeBron James and then a miss at the end by the Clippers as Paul George's could not get one to go when it mattered the most. But boy, he was spectacular, really impressed by his ball game. We'll talk about him with Noah. 30 points in 34 minutes, 11 of 17. More importantly, 6 of 11 from 3. So he is going to be an assassin from deep during the playoffs. Kawhi Leonard had 28 points, 7 of 16 from the field. He looked really good as well. He was a plus 16. If you look at the plus minus, The Lakers were outscored by the Clippers by 16 points with Kawhi Leonard on the floor. So overall, wasn't really expecting much out of yesterday's game, to be honest with you. Most important thing was making sure that nobody got hurt. And in this ballgame, nobody did get hurt. You have a game without Lou Williams, without Montrez Harrell. Your two sixth man of the year candidates, Montrez, looks like he might win it. But those two guys are crucial off the bench for the Clippers. And you had a moment yesterday at the end of the third quarter where they had Reggie Jackson, Landry Shamit, Jamichael Green, Patrick Patterson, and Amir Coffey on the floor. Those five guys will not be playing together. Frankly, you might not see any of those guys deep into ball games. When it matters the most, there are guys obviously that were on the floor, Patrick Patterson, Jamichael Green, Landry Shamit, and Reggie Jackson that will all be contributors for the Clippers in the playoffs. But that being said, you're not going to see a lineup with those five on the floor during the postseason. So that's why I'm not concerned at all with yesterday's loss to the Lakers. Frankly, I was more impressed with what I saw by the Clippers to be able to lead for a portion of that ball game. And to only lose by two on a last-second basket when you have two of probably your top four scorers not available. And also, let's not forget that Patrick Beverly was limited. And clearly, the Clippers defensively look different with Beverly on the floor versus Reggie Jackson. And Beverly only played 16 minutes. So there is a lot of room for growth with this team. And I'm thrilled to see the way they came out yesterday. The defense was not great at times. The offense was sloppy at times. You saw turnovers. But let's also consider that that first quarter 
was as ugly as possible from what you can tell with the referees and what they're trying to do. And it seems like they have an emphasis on the offensive foul. And for the Clippers, you saw three players with three fouls at halftime, one of them being Paul George. And Kawhi Leonard was forced to the bench because he picked up two early fouls. So with foul trouble, that's going to be a problem. But you're not going to see that as much in the postseason. Referees will swallow their whistle a lot more. And that's why the second half was so entertaining for the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, before we get to Noah, I got to tell you about a partner we have here at HoopBall. Support for HoopBall is brought to you by Manscaped. The best in men's below-the-belt trimming. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And I got to tell you, folks, I got myself that new lawnmower 3.0. It charges quickly, and it is ready to get to action as quick as you need it, and it does a tremendous job. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. They just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. It's a third-generation trimmer, features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. I know those are not great, and those do happen, thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. When I tell you this is a premium offer, it is premium. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. You get 20% off. Plus free shipping. That is free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. It's water resistant, which means that you can groom in the shower. Don't have to worry about some nastiness other places in your apartment, in your house, wherever you are. You can take it in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Of course, there is that charging stand I mentioned You show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. You heard us, USB. So go now, get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the HOOPBALL20 promo code. Now, without further ado, let's go ahead, let's bring in Noah Eagle. This guy needs no introduction, but we'll give it to him anyways. You hear his fantastic voice on AM570. You heard us talk about him yesterday, or actually not yesterday, it was last week during the uh, Hoopball Clippers podcast with Adam Osland and how great of a job he has done in some weird circumstances. He broadcasts a game from a tiny room in Los Angeles. It is Noah Eagle back on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Noah, how are you, sir? Brandon, I'm fantastic, and for me it was yesterday, because I now listen to that every single day, the fact that you and the great Adam Ostlin decided to talk me up, which was completely unnecessary, but I do appreciate the sentiment, and I'm just happy to have Clippers basketball back. You're right, I've got my own little nook of the Fox Sports West studios, and if anybody could see on Twitter, we had the MTV Cribs-style showdown behind the scenes, and check it out if you haven't. It's been a fun ride, and we're just excited to, to take that first step and root to a title. Thoroughly enjoyed that, by the way. So before we even get into the basketball, because that, that's not as important as this walk and talk that you were able to uh, put together yesterday. <laughs> that room, by the way, is really small. And for people that don't understand broadcasting in general, normally you'll have, I think it's Brian is your stats guy, right? Some a guy named Brian. Is that what his name is? Yeah, Brian, Brian Hagen yeah. is usually at home at Staples Center will be the, the stats guy. And then Adam is there and we've got our engineer, Big bro, Jake Warner, all four, all four of us, but all three of them, those three, they're, they're the best. And I'm so lucky to have them all alongside me 
for the ride, especially at Staples Center. On the road, it is based on where we are. And basically, somebody comes as there. Usually, there's an engineer that's there within every site, and they handle the road crew, and they handle the road broadcast. And then it's a somewhat of a, an interchanging statistician on the road. Um, so Brian's there for all the home games, and he's fantastic. But yeah, no, for, for this, it's just, it's just me in there. And it can get pretty hot. So I realized maybe I need to stop wearing the, the heavy clothing when I'm in there. I, yesterday, and it might have just been because the game was intense, but I was dripping sweat in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, you were wearing a suit, and our bodies aren't used to wearing actual suits. I mean, we've worn nothing <laughs> yeah, except right. for shorts and sweatpants the last four months. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I keep thinking back to the, I think it was Deion Sanders who said it, and, and Primetime said, you look good, you feel good. Feel good, you play good, and you pay, play good, you get paid good. So for, from all of that, I, I feel like look good, you say good, and yeah. you say good, then things are going to work out. Yeah. I'm cool with that. That's true. And so going back to your uh, little closet there, I mean, it's, it's a very small room that you were in, and you're broadcasting a game with a couple of monitors in front of you. You're not there. So broadcasting a game when you're not there is hard enough as is, and you're doing it off of these monitors with nobody around you to help out with the, I mean, there's, you have a couple of, I think you have a board right there, right, too? Is that what it is? Um, a it's, uh, so it's a Comrex, basically, yeah. is what I'm using. And for all those who don't know what that is, it's basically a piece of equipment that can connect directly to the studio through an internet connection. Mm-hmm. So we're fortunate that we have an ethernet connection that's a stronger line, a stronger cable that'll go directly through the IP address to the studio in Burbank. And I... The only reason that I'm actually fully comfortable with the Comrex is because when I was at Syracuse, that's what we used at our student station, both WAER and WJPZ, the, the two stations I worked for at Syracuse. At, on the road, even at home, we had to set up all our equipment ourselves. And so it ended up being a blessing in disguise, all those, all those moments where I struggled figuring out, well, wait, where do I put the IP address? Where do I connect this? I even did a game, my first game of senior year in Kalamazoo, Michigan, Western Michigan against Syracuse football. It was the first game of the season en route to a 10-win season for the first time in almost two decades. And so much excitement. And basically what ended up happening was they put us in nearly a different zip code to call the game because we're student radio and normally a school like Western Michigan isn't accustomed to having two visiting radio broadcasts coming to do the game. And so for us, we're the ones who are second on the totem pole to the flagship station of Syracuse. And so they put us basically where the video team was. It was like we had to go through the practice facility. We weren't even connected to the stadium that we were calling the game in. And to make matters worse, they didn't even give us any sort of Ethernet no sort of hard line. And so we had no idea if we were going to be able to get on the air. Fortunately, we did our research. And with the Comrex, you can go through literally Wi-Fi. And we called the entire game off of the hotspot on my cell phone. And it sounded literally perfect. Nobody would have any idea if they didn't know. And so this is a, a piece of technology that is, is magical, at least in my eyes. Like You can do a lot of things from pretty much wherever you are with a Comrex. Yeah, I don't think you've broadcasted if you haven't had one of those stories. I, I had a story, and I was doing USC-Arizona football at Arizona, and the internet was non-existent. They put us in the corner 
behind the corner of the end zone on basically field level. And instead, I was walking around with my buddy and we were broadcasting the game with a cell phone, passing the cell phone back and forth on the sideline. So, yeah, it's, that's exactly the type of story you get. And so here you are as a Los Angeles Clippers broadcaster with your Comrex setting it up or you probably didn't set it up yourself, I'm guessing, but you were able to basically manage it the entire game by yourself. And then you have nobody with you to help you out. And there's no fans to give you that enthusiasm. So you're building that in with just the game itself and the action. It's not easy to do, but you've done it seamlessly. And it's not, I, I want to ask you, it's a stupid question, but how? H- how were you able to make it so seamless? <laughs> uh, you know, Brandon, first of all, I appreciate it. Thank you again for, for the kind words. But for me, I'd say the goal for all of these broadcasts is I, if, People don't know that I'm not in the bubble. I don't want them to know yeah. that I'm not in the bubble. I want them to believe that I'm just there and I'm calling the game. And so at the end of the day, something my dad always told me as I was getting into this industry, and of course he's been a mainstay in the industry for nearly three decades now, and he's had a lot of experience, and, and something that he realized pretty early and he passed down to me to recognize early was that the people at home don't care about what's happening in your life behind the scenes. What they care about is what's in front of you and what's in front of them. And, and that's the game. They're not tuning in and they don't want to hear, Oh, I mean, he's doing it from thousands of miles away and he doesn't control what angles that the, the feed is taking. Uh, that's probably been the hardest part for me is in the middle of a play, there are cutaways to close-ups, and now I have no idea where the basketball is. Right. And so you just have to improvise until you can get, a clearer picture of what's actually happening. But for me, I just want to make that sound seamless because it doesn't matter. My job is still to call the action to the best of my ability. And that's really all I'm doing. And so if I feel like I can go out there and make it sound exciting and make it sound as close to perfect as I possibly can, then that's what I'm going to do. But I'm not focusing on what I don't have. I'm focusing more on what I do have and using what I can to my disposal, all the stats, all the nuggets, any type of stories I might be able to get out of Doc Rivers or Lawrence or whomever else, and we'll go from there. Yeah, it's a good mentality to have. You brought up your dad, so I'm going to bring this up now. He's actually in the bubble. He was doing the yeah. game yesterday for TNT. I'm sure you've spoken to him several times, and I'm sure you've spoken to him since that game yesterday. What's it like for him to be there? I think he's he's still adjusting, as is everybody else, but He's excited to be a part of history, and that's really what this is. There's a great chance, unless next season continues with a bubble, but even so, then I kind of count it all as one. There's a great chance this is the only time that this is ever going to happen in the history of the NBA, and to be a part of that is really cool. And so for him, I think that's how he's taking it. He's going to be there for the the seeding games to, to the end of the regular season, and he is adjusting. He did say that the one difference and this is true just I think in life right now is that he'll be walking around and he'll see people that he's been friends with for 10 plus years and maybe even longer depending on who it is 20 plus years mm-hmm. but because he was necessary maybe let's say wearing a mask or wearing a hat with the mask and not wearing his normal attire because as you said we're all wearing a little bit more comfortable clothing let's say people aren't recognizing right away who's who and it's not just people not recognizing him, but maybe the other way around. And that's just, I feel like, where we are right now. Because you can't see somebody's face in its entirety. You're like, well, wait a second, is that? 
No. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. It, it takes that second to register. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's Ian. I, I, yeah, my friend. And so that's been, I would say, one adjustment for him. Somebody who likes to catch up with people and converse and loves to talk is making sure that he knows who he's talking to. And did he have to quarantine his room for seven days as well? Is that how the process that he had to go through? Uh, not, not a full seven days. Okay. I think that he, he showed up later than most and i think most of the broadcasters did most of those play-by-play broadcasters and analysts at least that are working the games showed up on the later side and and so as a result at least to my understanding and don't exactly quote me on this because i'm not fully in the know but from from my understanding because everybody had already been in there and by the way the broadcasters have almost their own separate bubble that they're in they're in a different hotel than the players different area of eating and all that stuff than the players are. Mm -hmm. So from my understanding, because the players and everybody else was already set and they had them in there and they had all been tested, as long as these guys came in and got tested a couple of times and provided a couple of negative tests, Mm -hmm. then they were okay and good to go. But he did have to quarantine for an extended period of time in his room. And he's somebody who can kill time. He does a lot of work. He watches a lot of stuff. And goes from there. So I, I know he got through it, and now he's off and running. Yeah, and they even have, I think, what it looks like a plexiglass in between him and the color commentary. I mean, he and SVG yesterday looked like they had a plexiglass separating the two of them. So they're, I mean, they're they're taking it pretty seriously over there. And you even saw yesterday, Balmer was there in his separate little glass area. Uh, so they're they're separating everybody from the NBA players. They're doing whatever they can to make it as safe as possible. No. So. Right, and it's a huge, a huge testament to uh, the diligence that the NBA and really Adam Silver have put into this entire experiment. They, they checked every box before it could be unchecked or before there could be an X or before there could be an issue. They thought of every possible outcome and said, how can we get ahead of it? And again, that's just Adam Silver showing off his chops in the midst of adversity throughout his tenure as commissioner. He has risen to the occasion time and time again. And so a lot of credit goes to him. A lot of credit goes to the people around him and the league as a whole and to the teams who have come together and tried to make sure that everybody was going to be as safe as they possibly can be. So a lot of, um, I guess, kudos to everybody that has been involved in the decision-making process and now the execution of this elaborate plan. Yeah, and they allowed us to get basketball starting yesterday. And so let's go ahead. Let's talk some basketball a loss yesterday, but frankly, I said it in the intro, doesn't matter to me. I don't think the loss means anything at all. No Lou Williams, no Montrez Harrell. Pat Beverly did not start. This is not the Clippers team we're going to see in the playoffs. I said it in the intro. You saw a lineup where you had Reggie Jackson, Landry Shaman, Amir Coffey, Jamichael Green, and Patrick Patterson. Those five will not be on the floor together when it matters during the playoffs. As much as those guys contribute to this Clippers team, they're not going to be there when it matters. So I'm curious to get your take because it was a really sloppy first quarter, lots of fouls. I think that frankly took the Clippers out of the game in that first quarter with all the foul calls that were whistled on them. But then they got into it and I thought PG looked phenomenal. I mean, he clearly looks as healthy as he has looked this entire season. All things considered, a two-point loss, but I'll take it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that you hit most of the nail on the head there. Um, I think the one thing that you left out you said Patrick Beverly didn't start. I don't think that matters as much as the fact that he didn't finish. Yeah. And especially on that last defensive possession, everybody wants to talk about, oh, they didn't have Lou and Trez. I thought the most important part was the fact that Patrick Beverly had to sit on the bench, and it wasn't because he didn't want to be in there or Doc didn't want to play him. 
it was because, and Doc told us ahead of the game, he needed to be on a minutes restriction based on the fact that he hadn't been there and a conditioning standpoint. I know it was killing Pat to be on the sideline and watch it happen, but if you look back at the replay of the final defensive possession with LeBron James forcing the ball on the rim and getting his own rebound, Reggie Jackson was just a tad over to the right. That's a rebound Patrick Beverly, I would say, nine times out of ten, either battles for and forces James to kind of tip it instead of just easily collecting it at the rim or grabs it himself. We've seen that happen how many times this year where at the end of the game, it's Pat who comes away with a game-sealing or game-saving type of play. And so to me, that was the, the biggest difference in the lineup. I think that Pat is, is behind Kawhi and PG, the biggest X factor on the team. And the stats generally back it up in the fact that the last two years, the team's 7-13 and 13 when he doesn't play. And so he is as important as pretty much anybody on this roster. And the fact that he couldn't play at the end was really what did them in. But I thought it was a really impressive showing considering you're missing 37 points off the bench, just not in uniform last night. And they come together and really give the Lakers a legit run for their money and had chances to win it. That's, that's really all you can ask for. It was not, it looked like it could have gone south, but that's the one thing I love about this team is they're never out of it, no matter how far they fall down, especially with the way that Paul George played last night and Kawhi looked like Kawhi. And I think that, the early foul trouble took him out of an early, early rhythm that we saw. He got going early. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is the defense, the turnovers, those things are going to clean up as this experiment continues to, to continue to transpire a little bit more. I think Doc Rivers put it well ahead of the game when we talked to him. And he, I asked him what he wants to get out of these eight games. When the eight games are over, what does he hope? What's the goal for this team? And he said he wants them to be first and foremost, conditioned again. That was, that was a key word that he and Cor McGetty had said before the game. Like That was important, that they need to be back in their conditioning. And, and that, I would say, is something that we saw last night on some, maybe some sloppy closeouts and playing a lot of defense. They couldn't do it without fouling, which you could talk about whether or not that was the officiating or whether or not that was actually the defense. But the other thing that he said is, uh, we just want to be in rhythm. We want to feel like we're playing our best basketball again. We want to have our roster at our disposal when the playoffs start. And I think it was Charles Barkley who said it on Inside the NBA last night, for the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks, the season doesn't really start until these eight seeding games end. Those three teams know they're going to be there. They've pretty much solidified their places atop the league. And so for them, the season starts in the playoffs. And so for the Clippers, these eight games are a great opportunity to find that rhythm for March once again. Yeah, and frankly, whether you're the two seed or the three seed, um, I mean, if you fall with the four seed, probably not going to happen. But for the two or the three, it doesn't matter. There's no home court anymore, you know. So it, it really does not matter whether you're the two or the three. So if you lose a game here, you win a game here, it doesn't matter. I think, like you said, the biggest thing is to make sure you're conditioned because we've talked about it all along, playoff bodies versus regular season bodies and what that you're going to exert onto your bodies very different because the amount of minutes these guys are going to have to play and the amount of energy they're going to have to put in. And so between that, the conditioning and just get, making sure everyone's healthy. And as long as those two things happen, then this team showed yesterday that they are a very good ball club. It really does not matter who goes on that floor. The fact that they had those five guys on the floor that I mentioned earlier and still 
came away just losing by two and like you said had chances to win says a lot about this ball club and they've taken that never give up mentality from last year they've added two of the top 10 players in the NBA you could say two of the top seven or eight players in the NBA and now they're a force we reckon with and I think they are getting all the praise and it's well deserved at this point with the way they've been playing would you agree yeah, I would. And not to mention, I, I think there was another wrinkle that, that people probably didn't think of that haven't been around the team or haven't been following the team religiously. Landry Shamit had not played until yesterday. How often are we going to see Landry Shamit go 0 for 5, 0 for 6 from 3? Yeah. Not very often. That that very rarely will happen, especially when he gets his legs back under him. Avita Zubac, was just his second game back. He wasn't in the normal positions that we're accustomed to seeing him defensively. He's been so great protecting the rim this year, and I think he still needs to find his rhythm. Marcus Morris, I mean, again, this is the second time against the Lakers that it's happened. I don't expect this type of performance to happen quite often out of Marcus Morris. He looked very solid in a couple of scrimmages that we saw him in, and I just think that he's somebody that will step back into that role that he's accustomed to and when the playoffs come, I expect him to be the Marcus Morris that, that we thought we were going to see when he came over from the New York Knicks. And he'll start shooting the ball better. He'll play some great defense, which honestly hasn't been as much of an issue. So those are some other things that I feel like were kind of overlooked. Like Landry, that's, that's literally the first time he's playing in four-plus months. Zoo just got back there. Marcus missed most of those early practices. And so for those three guys, coming in late, once they get in rhythm, which I don't think is going to take more than a game or two of these seeding games, that's, again, where you see this depth. And then you add Lou and Trez back in the fold. And people are saying, well, wait a second. Why did they give up that big lead in the third quarter? Well, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were on the bench. You don't have your best bench duo in NBA history. They didn't have a go-to score out on the floor. Reggie Jackson was probably their most prolific option. Michael Green was shooting it well. But you, you mentioned those other names. Like Amir Coffey, he's played very well in Orlando, but he's still inexperienced. He's only played a handful of games this year. And while the Clippers are really high on what he can provide down the line in, in his NBA future, that's exactly the word they're talking about, his future. They don't know if he's necessarily somebody who's going to come in and be able to shoulder the load offensively at this point in his career. And so those, those guys can help instead of, Kawhi and Paul go to the bench and the Clippers have a nine-point lead and it evaporates, what we expect is Lou and Trez come back in and at minimum just keep it where it is until those guys get back out on the floor. And so, again, this was a, a good showing, I would say, from the Clippers. I left this game feeling like, wow, that was good. <laughs> this, was, this was even better than I expected given where this team has been through this training camp experience, and we'll see how they look tomorrow. Yeah, I think what you just said is crucial. The better than is better than expected. I mean, there's a couple of numbers that stood out yesterday. Um, Justin Russo does a really good job on Twitter, and you mentioned that PG was 11 of 17, 30 points, five rebounds, three assists, three steals. He also held the Lakers to two of 12 when he was the primary defender. So I think that says a lot about what he has done. And also, the Clippers were plus 12 in the 16 minutes that PG and Kawhi played against LeBron and Anthony Davis. So to your point, the bench really does matter. As long as they keep it right there, then the starters can do their thing. And it shows you how good Kawhi and PG are together. 
But one thing that kind of concerned me a little bit yesterday, Noah, and I'm curious to get your take on it. It didn't seem like the Clippers had much of an answer for Anthony Davis. And I know Montrezl Harrell will be someone that will be thrown onto AD and will cause some problems probably to AD. But what do you think they can do to try and solve that problem? Or is it more of a, hey, AD will get his, let's try and slow down everybody else because they've done a good job on LeBron, making him shoot less than 40% against the Clippers. I think it's exactly that. I think it's going to be the second one where it, it's so there. If you could show me three guys in the NBA that can stop Anthony Davis on a consistent basis, I'd probably call you a liar. Yeah. The dude is unbelievably talented. He's one of the most skilled, most impressive figures in the NBA. To me, it's much more important to hold LeBron James in check. He's really the straw, the straw that stirs the drink. That is the Los Angeles Lakers. And in the four matchups this year, the Clippers have done a fabulous job in containing the King. And to me, in a seven-game series, sure, Anthony Davis can go off and average 35, but we saw it last night. He goes off, LeBron's in check, and you're giving yourself a chance to win it at the end. If both those guys go nuts, that's when you're going to have some problems. If LeBron's getting 30-point triple-doubles, generally that's not a good sign. But if you're holding him and you're keeping him now to five turnovers – that, to me, is a good sign of where your defense is supposed to be. And that's really where this Clipper team is built, is to stop somebody like LeBron James. Look at all the wings that they can throw at him. And so if Zoo doesn't maybe get into as much foul trouble early, and I think that's going to come when he gets his legs and conditioning back, that was really the main concern for somebody like him. It was the main concern for someone like Joakim Noah. And it's why Montrose Harrell has been so valuable. The physicality, the different look that he can provide for someone like Anthony Davis, and honestly, how he can try to exploit him a little bit more defensively and bring him out on the perimeter, use that quickness that we've seen out of him, use that strength, which is honestly an advantage for Trez as well. And so I think that will provide a little bit of an extra wrinkle and a little bit of an extra advantage for the Clippers. But overall, I think that defensively, they did exactly what they were supposed to do, which is hold LeBron James in check. You do your best on Anthony Davis and I mean, you see Patrick Patterson trying to get in there to Michael Green. Those guys are at a disadvantage, either athletically, physically, whatever it might be, because Anthony Davis is as gifted as anybody in the world. And so to me, your job needs to be, hey, LeBron can't beat us. It's got to be somebody else. And if that's the case, I think you're going to, in a seven-game series, give yourself plenty of chances to win. Do you think the Clippers' offense or defense is currently ahead of the other right now? Uh, based on last night, the offense, the offense looked solid overall, especially with Paul and the way that he's playing. I think the defense is going to come naturally. And a lot of that happens with conditioning, with reps and with your guys out on the floor. And think about it. We talked about Patrick Beverly being limited, but he's such a big part of the defense. And he even looked like he was trying to find himself a little bit more out there. Some sloppy closeouts, some fouls that we're not accustomed to seeing. I think that Montrez Harrell has been a big part of the defense just from a physicality and rebounding standpoint. And Marcus Morris is still figuring it out defensively. And Joakim Noah now adds a little bit of a different look defensively. And so, to me, this, this group, when you just look at from a personnel standpoint, defensively, when they are back in rhythm, they've got their legs back under them, I don't think it's going to be a concern. <laughs> they have some of the best individual defenders in the NBA, especially on the perimeter. I'm excited on what I saw offensively against a very good defensive team, by the way, in the Lakers. Both those teams are top five 
in offensive and defensive rating, only one of three teams that can say that with the Boston Celtics actually being the third, not the Milwaukee Bucks. And so when you look at the fact that the Clippers and the Lakers found some sort of a rhythm offensively, I think it was a good sign for both teams, but more so for the Clippers, who that was their main concern earlier this year. Like, whoa, what, what's wrong with this offense? But Doc Rivers' system once again prevails, and the defense will come when these guys get back into their normal routine. Yeah, I know the playoffs are going to be a different animal, but it just seems like as close as this four-game series has been with the, the, the four games the Clippers have played the Lakers this year, it, it seems like the Clippers have been the better team. I don't know if that's me being biased, but it really does seem like the Clippers have been the better team. You lose by two. Like we said, no Lou, no Trez, and no Beverly on the floor towards the end. He only played about 15 minutes. And the Clippers looked really good in the first couple of wins they had against the Lakers. It seems like the Clippers match up really well with the Lakers. Apart from this whole Anthony Davis thing, they do a really good job. And one thing also to add to it that we discussed before the bubble actually began to play is that the bench is going to be way less important than it was in the past. And I say that as the impact that these bench guys are going to have. You're not going to see these guys like Austin Rivers go for 25 points because he doesn't have the home crowd rooting him on. It does seem like it's going to be the good players will perform. And when you have a Lou and a Trez who could easily be in the starting fives of many other teams and they're coming off the bench, it seems like you're in a much better position than just crossing your fingers and Alex Caruso doesn't go off for 20 points against you. (laughs) Right. I would say that. The Clippers have probably outperformed, outplayed the Lakers in three of the four matchups. And you can say that, I guess, somewhat on the fence because last night it was as even as you could get. Yeah. Both teams had some sloppy, some sloppy moments, some sloppy uh, eras within the game. You know, in that first quarter, obviously, the Clippers were turning it over and fouling a whole lot, especially once Kawhi goes to the bench. Start the third quarter, the Lakers just could not make a shot, and the Clippers were capitalizing, and Paul George was looking great. And then it shifted right back to the Lakers, and both teams finished strong. So I would say that you could argue either way for last night's game. Both teams were trying to find that rhythm. But in the first game, uh, to me, the Clippers outplayed the Lakers, especially in the fourth quarter. In the second game, the Clippers fall way behind and then just show how strong they are mentally, physically, as they come all the way back from that major deficit on Christmas. And guess what? Who was there to make the play? At the end of the game, it was Patrick Beverly on LeBron James stripping him on that three-point attempt. And, and so, again, to my point, I just feel like if Pat's in that game last night, and to your point, it could be me being biased, but just based on what we've seen through his career and especially through this season, I think he finds a way to at least disrupt that play a little bit, and it's not as easy of a putback. But I digress a little bit more. I'm with you in the sense that you know that your stars are going to show up. I do still think that you're going to get surprise performances because that's just the NBA and all these guys. And this is something I feel like people don't give enough credit to. Everybody in the NBA is really, really, really good. (laughs) And even if you're Brian Scalabrini, that's my favorite example because (laughs) Scal went up and took on average Joes who felt like they could beat him. And he would beat them one-on-one like 21-1. And the only reason they got one was because he let them have an easy basket so they wouldn't feel too bad about themselves. Like, these dudes are all worldly good. So you're going to have an Avery Bradley 24-point performance 
where he's just hitting threes like we saw in the third game between these two teams, even though it's not at the home arenas or even though like you don't know who's going to just feel good one day. Yeah. It's just part of the deal. And so I think that there is that unpredictability, especially without the home court advantage, especially without the fans of this of this experiment that's going to make it that much more fun and that much more exciting. And I'm just looking forward to seeing how each team and which teams are the most mentally strong and can figure their way through this and find their way through as a unit. And that's going to be the one that comes away victorious. I'll let you leave on this one. Give me your best quarantine story. You were at home for a while (laughs) with your dad and your family. Give me your best story, whether it was here in L.A., or is back east the best one you can share with us? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have the best quarantine story. I, my quarantine was pretty boring. I, I like to tell people a couple things. One, I, I was in New Jersey for a couple months, and I like to tell people that I stayed on West Coast time, but my dad kept telling me that was complete BS. Hmm. The fact that I would go to bed at 3 and wake up at noon every day. I go, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to bed at midnight and waking up at 9. It's just shifted to a different time zone. And he said, no, just just admit that you want to be lazy and not do anything for the day. Uh, I did not admit any of that, but I can admit to it now. Yeah, that's exactly. I wanted to cut my day shorter. Well, what, what else was I doing? <laughs> so I woke up. I would uh, just kind of hang out. I'd try to work out however I possibly could. I would watch a lot. That's how I stayed productive. I watched a lot of TV and a lot of movies. I, I was trying to count how many shows and movies that I've watched, how many series. I finished and how many movies I got through. I think I made it north of 40 movies and almost eight or nine shows. Like it's, it's crazy efficiency right now. I just caught up on everything that I've been wanting to watch from a movie and TV standpoint. And, and anybody who listens to our broadcast knows how much I try to incorporate that stuff because I love it. I love pop culture. And so that was for me, the best part of this quarantine was that I, you know, I've been waiting on, the off season to get through like succession and I could just cruise through succession. And it's fantastic for anybody who hasn't watched the first two seasons do that immediately. It's an incredible show or Ozark or whatever else it was. I went down the list and I just checked one after the other off. So it wasn't really an exciting quarantine for me. I tried to follow all the rules, stay at home, wear the mask, all that stuff. And uh, keep my distance from from pretty much anybody, which was not that difficult for me. Just sitting and literally watching and reading. So, did you re- uh, watch Tiger King? Oh yeah, oh okay. yeah. So did I, I watched that thing in like two days. So, are you buying that Carol Baskin uh, fed the uh, ex husband to the Tigers? Because I'm buying that. Oh yeah, of course. Okay. If you're not buying it, then what's wrong with you? Yeah. I mean, it's so obvious. It's so blatant in front of our faces. And she tries to play it off. She's the worst actress ever, clearly, because she can't convince anybody that she didn't do it. So, hey, all you cool cats and kittens, why don't you go after her? Because it's time for her to be behind bars with her buddy Joe. Did you see her cameos, by the way? She's on Cameo now, and it is the weirdest oh, thing. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. No. I, I, my better question is this. If you have paid for Carol Baskin to send you a message, please contact me so we can have a conversation and I can get inside your head. Just, I'd like to know why. Go, That's it. Go Google. I think they did one for Zion for his birthday. So we go full circle here. <laughs> no. Yes, yes. Go Google it before you have tomorrow's game because you're going to bring up Zion. So now you can bring up Tiger King during the ball game. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure they did one for Zion for his birthday and you're going to see Zion tomorrow. So there you go. You're welcome.
But here's the thing, Brandon. You're already hearing how heated I'm getting right now talking about Carol Baskin. <laughs> now I'm going to bring her up mid-broadcast, and then Zion's going to do something ridiculous, and I'm just going to be like, oh, and Zion dunks it. But Carol Baskin, <laughs> this woman, like, it's gonna, it's just going to completely digress my play-by-play. Uh, yeah, I guess that would be a bad thing. I'm assuming you're pumped to watch Zion tomorrow, as limited as his minutes will be. Very strangely, he only played 15 yesterday. But I'm assuming you're pumped, because I think it's the first time the Clippers are seeing him. First time Clippers are seeing him, I had the, the luxury of getting to see him on several occasions, actually, in person when he was at Duke last year when I was at Syracuse, and they played a couple times, so I saw him against the Qs twice, and then I saw him in a couple other games at the ACC tournament, especially probably the best college game I've ever seen, Duke-North Carolina ACC semifinal last year. It was as intense as you could get from a collegiate-level basketball game, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, up against Kobe White, Cameron Johnson, Luke May, and uh, Nasir Little. Like, there were, I think, seven or eight NBA draft picks, and I think six or seven were first-round picks this past year. So a crazy high level of play for a college game, and Zion was the by far the best and most impressive player in that game and that I've ever seen on the college level. The dude is ridiculous. And, and I like to tell people – Everyone would ask me, well, is he really as good as everyone says? I said, one, he's better. And two, the only reason, the only way you'll actually believe me is if you see him in person. It does not do it justice the way you see him on TV or however else. So I'm excited because I got some great calls of Zion last year, and hopefully we'll get some great calls and a Clippers win tomorrow. Pelicans at Clippers, 3 p.m. tomorrow. You can hear Noah Eagle on the call. Are you guys on 570 tomorrow, or do you guys get bumped because of Dodgers? Yeah, you know, great question. I let Adam do all of that type of stuff, and he'll usually <laughs> tell me, like, right before, and I trust him. So I uh, wish I could give you an answer, but I don't have it. I'm guessing you guys are getting bumped to, uh, I think, 11.50, the Patriots, what it is, because I think the Dodgers. Yeah, if the Dodgers, five. listen, the, the rule is this. If the Dodgers are playing, we're bumped, regardless. So if, if the Dodgers are playing at that time, if we're overlapping, then we will be on the Patriot 11.50. Noah, always great having you on. Thank you very much for coming on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. You got it, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Let's take a quick break and talk about our partner, my bookie. Say it with me now. Sports are back, baby. I've been waiting for this day since March. And now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind, my bookie. My bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. Yes, you know it. Basketball is back. Baseball is back. Hockey is back starting on the 1st. That is tomorrow. We've got a lot of sports back, and that means that you can go ahead and make some money off of these games. My bookie is up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams, and with the start of the NBA bubble season here, there's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about your MLB team's chances this year? Be sure to check out my bookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season comes to an end. But why stop at baseball? Look to the future. That means, of course, basketball, hockey, and football around the corner. My bookie already accepting bets on NFL and NHL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. How do you do that? How about you join today and my bookie will match your deposit 100%. You heard me, 100% plus. 
they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL. That is the promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, when signing up. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, and they pay. And of course, you follow HOOPBALL Gaming. Those guys are giving off tweet storms every single day trying to help you win money. Because if they win money and you win money, everybody is happy. My bookie, you bet, you win, they pay. Another fantastic conversation with Noah Ego. Boy, he is the best. Always great chatting hoops with him. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Clippers and Pelicans playing on Saturday. We're going to try and come on to the podcast on Sunday to recap that ball game. Obviously, things may change here or there with all the games coming at you fast and furious. But we're looking to move to two times a week with this podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at HoopBallClips. You'll see whenever a podcast is released. At BDMarcus is my Twitter handle. Of course, if you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, that would be great. Rate and review. Give us that five-star rating and send a review off as well. And if you send me that review at BDMarcus, I'll make sure to read it on this podcast. So a big thank you to you, the listeners, for listening. Hope you enjoyed that conversation as the Clippers start bubble play 0-1. But good things ahead as this team looked really good and getting close to being ready to go for the playoffs. I'm Brandon Marcus, and we'll talk to you next time. Until then, go Clips! This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.